You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it's August 1st, which means, listen to this, there will be a football game played, if you want to call it that, on Thursday. A Hall of Fame game. It's happening. Your reaction? Uh, Yeah, if you want to call it that. (laughs) As you know, this is a it's a slow build in training. Yeah, right. Slowly build up the start of the NFL season. The Kansas City Chiefs will be having their preseason game coming up soon. But yeah, the Hall of Fame game has always been the start of camp. I, I'd say it's a little better than than the the Pro Bowl, but but not by much. You know, it, it is it is what it is. The preseason games feel like once that once we get past the Hall of Fame game feel like real, I, I think, practice for the regular season, whereas this is just the showcase game. And, and don't get hurt, I think, is the main message in the right. Hall of Fame right. game. So, John, uh, as it turns out, we're what are we in the second week of, of training camp? Here, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are going to get to all your news and we are really coming at you on a, on a big day uh, when it comes to Orlando Brown Jr. And then after we go through the the few news pieces that we have, I will give you the 10 things I think shout out Peter King of training camp so far. And these are somewhat bold statements, but just things I'm, I'm, I'm taking away and John, I'll, I'll let you react to them as we go. Okay. Uh, as I have been a training camp and you have been a really, I think asset, really big asset for us. It really in the, the AP headquarters, keeping this, ship afloat as I'm, I'm taking in practice. So I appreciate that. But before we there get to a lot of holes to fill in the ship during training camp, to keep it from, 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 from sinking just, below the waterline. Let, let me be the first to say, uh, if there was no John Dixon, we would be at the bottom of the ocean with the Titanic. <laughs> All right. Well, Peter, thanks. I appreciate it. Titanic, but uh, yeah, we, we'd be in trouble. So we appreciate our, our esteemed deputy editor for everything he does. All right, let's get to some of your reviews. You guys heard me. I was ticked when we came back from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and there were no reviews. And so we have five to, to get through very oh, quickly. Here. Right. So let's start it. This is from Fetus35. Thank you. Uh, John Elway's, Elway always sucked. Great show. And so we appreciate that. Uh, John, John Elway still sucks. And he sucked so bad at his job that they publicly demoted him uh, and tried to make it look like a promotion. So uh, that's what's happening in, in Denver land. This next one comes from Nate, 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 6950. AP editors show. Will any of these national idiots, I mean analysts, stop with the madness about the Mahomes contract? Every time I look up Chiefs info, 
All I hear about ha- is how he makes so much money, and that's why we can't afford Tyree Kill and why Honey Badger is gone. Is that just an easy out for them? Lazy journalism? Because we all know in KC that the Mahomes deal is a bargain and no one talks about it. Okay, that's my rant. Thanks, guys. I can't disagree with that. I think people I... in Kansas City really pump how great of a deal it is when we see mm-hmm. yeah. things like the Kyler Murray contract. But yeah, maybe nationally, I think you have a point. It's not talked about of, of how much it really a bargain. And it's weird to say, but half a billion dollars being a bargain, but it truly is the case in Kansas City. I think a lot of Kansas Cityans know that, though. Well, I All think right. the thing that people forget nationally is how the contract is structured and how they can use it to create cap space with a stroke of a pen. Right. which was a big deal last year. It was a big part of the reason that they could do the offensive line switch over. So that's the, that's the thing we call the guarantee mechanisms mm-hmm. that, that right. Fred Beach and Tillis and Shea have built into the contract. They didn't use it this year. We thought they might. Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess you don't want to use it every year. That That's what that tells me. And they, they opted not to do that trading Tyree kill instead. Um, but you know, it goes how it goes. We'll see if they use it in future years. This next one from, Mont Rose Dweller, entertaining and informative. I always listen to your podcast and find it entertaining and eloquently informative. I'm a busy physician, but love the Chiefs and want to know all the little details and rumors without spending a lot of time to get the latest news. You guys never disappoint, and your insights and predictions keep me up to date and excited about the possibilities for the Chiefs. I'm female and love football, but since I never play, there are a lot of aspects of the game I don't truly understand. So appreciate your knowledge and explanations. Your faithful listener, Dr. S. Miller. We got to get Dr. S in the program. Yes, Steve, we do. Steve, our, our great our great producer who's behind the glass right now, injured his back playing skee ball yesterday. And I uh, woke up with a bad back. So oh, Dr. Dear. Miller, yeah. if you can get in touch with Steve Serta, he could he could use your expertise. I've got Always, a couple of bug bites too that I'm having trouble getting rid you of. You know so. what, John? You know, this this has nothing to do with the Chiefs, but use a hairdryer, right? You <laughs> oh you, yeah. You yeah. burn the protein yeah. out of there. It, it yeah. hurts for a second and automatic relief. Just keep that. In Terry mind. got one of these little suction cup deals. that's supposed to do the no, same thing. Pull no, it all yeah. out, so. uh, you know, we appreciate Terry, your, your lovely wife, but you got to listen to the, the editor here <laughs> and get that hairdryer out. <laughs> all right. This from DC to AA, always a fan of the editor's show. Very excited to have the editor's show back and rolling strong. Two questions for the editors and one for our British friends. Uh, so I'll let the Brits answer that one when they get to it, I believe on Wednesday, but number one, what differences, if any, are you noticing in training camp this year versus the last few years? Well, I think the big thing, right, is no Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. I know we're about to talk about how it's over, but we didn't see Eric Fisher hold out of a contract and really a franchise tag. We, we've we never really seen anyone hold out when it came to the franchise tag. There's been other mm-hmm. contract disputes yeah. that, I, that I can think of with maybe Jamal Charles comes to mind, Justin Houston. Um it was cooler the first week, but that changed today. Uh, it was very hot today uh, up there, and I imagine it's gonna gonna get hotter. That's what comes to mind right now. I think the biggest difference is no Tyreek, which is is very noticeable, and you're seeing the offense. I think spread the ball around even early in camp, and I think that's gonna be a, a theme of the year. I know, John, you haven't been up there, but based upon what you've seen on the web, anything anything different? Um. No, not. I mean, I haven't noticed anything that's particularly different. We always have rookies that catch our eyes and veterans that surprise us and guys that we think are going to be hot that aren't and guys that we don't expect to do well uh, impress us. This is this is all par for the course, you know, and um, and you can always count on 
Travis Kelsey being amazing as he was today in the press conference. So, yeah, he's great. Uh, It's been really fun to see Travis emerge as what was this really promising prospect that everyone was excited about to, he had a diva stage in his career and now he's Mm -hmm. really become that fun veteran who really Mm -hmm. knows how to deal with the media and the fans. And uh, the second question here from DC to AA and hashtag fans is it possible that Brown is waiting to show up until pads come on when the OL really gets to work? Yes, it is possible. And I that's think correct. So, yeah. Uh huh. I think I think and that is possible. If, yeah. I wish that I had read this before because I would have gotten in touch with you for the lottery numbers that <laughs> came out. <laughs> would be would be rich. All right, last one, and then we got to get to the news. Come on, uh, Kevka's eighty-two. Pete has quickly become a must-listen, must-follow for Chiefs news. Thank you. My question is, if you could address it on the podcast, is what is your go-to app for pre- and post-game Chiefs coverage? Local radio isn't an option for many outside of the KC area, and I wasn't sure if you each had a favorite app on game days. Well, uh, the first one that I would say is we have shown BK do a, a preview of sorts for every game right here on the Arrowhead Pride uh, podcast network, which I like. I know 610 Sports Radio has an app, and you could get the – Mitch Holtis preview, I believe, through that. And I know for sure that after Mitch and the guys get done after the game, Jay Binkley is going to have a Arrowhead Pride postgame show on 610. And we also have one uh, right here on the podcast channel uh, again this year with Steven Serta and Rocky Magana. And they'll be doing the, the home games. I'll jump on it for uh, what are the road games uh, or most of the road games as I, I do t- sometimes travel to some. Uh, but there are a lot of options out there. Uh, I, I would say try to try to download the Odyssey app for the 610 stuff, who is you know a great partner of AP. But we uh, we'll have pre and post game stuff um, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Um, and John, this might be a good time for you to be able to plug your radio information that we have at Arrowhead. Oh Pride yeah, Network. that's something we've done for the last several years. They're hard to find elsewhere, but you can actually on Arrowhead Pride on our resources tab. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is on every page, you can find a list of all the Chiefs radio network stations. Uh, this is useful for people who live in like mostly the sixth state area where the network is located. Uh, we haven't got it updated this year uh, for the, the stations this year yet, but that will come in the next few days. And once the season begins, you'll be able to go there and see uh, what stations are carrying the Chiefs radio games. Uh, all around the Midwest. All right. So there you go. So hopefully that helps. Uh, I know that out of town Chiefs fans really take to Arrowhead Pride because they are trying to stay in touch with everything that's happening from Kansas City. So we appreciate you out of towners as as well as those that live right here in the great states of, of Kansas and Missouri. Okay, John, it's time. Let's get into the news of today, and right. we, we got to start right here with Orlando Brown Jr. finally showing up to camp. The one thing that really surprised me about this whole story today is not so much that Brown is showing up, but in the fact that he held out, I thought the holdout, and it was a weird one, as we've talked about on the show before, but might last a little bit longer than it did, and he comes and shows up when when pads are happening but to me i i don't know if when padded practices start is exactly when you want to be thrown into the fire i'm happy with the timing because i've been saying countless times the sooner the better but the right. timing to me feels a little weird what do you think yeah i don't know that the 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 reasoning that they gave that the the padded practices are the time when leaders 
uh, step <laughs> up. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if I totally buy that. That's what that was. By the way, that was from the agent via Tom Pelissero of NFL right. Network that yeah. Brown wants to do pads because that's when leaders show up. Right. Right. Was that the, yeah. What, some, what something words to that effect. Yeah. I'm not sure I buy that. But it seemed to me, this is my impression, okay, without any, this is just informed speculation on my part, but it looks to me that Brown and his camp made their point. He missed a few days of training camp, clearly indicating they weren't happy with the deal that was presented to them. You know, if it wasn't enough that they refused to take it, they wanted to make the additional point. Yeah, we're not happy. And Mm -hmm. then the Chiefs gave their point of view, which was, well, yeah, but we still want to sign Orlando Brown to a long-term deal next year, which they did. What was that on Friday? I think I lose yeah. track. The, the days all muddled End together. Of last week, now. yeah, End yeah. Of last week. So the Chiefs made their point, and now, okay, everybody's made their point. Let's get to work. That's the way it feels to me at this point. Well, and and I'm not going to ruin and spoil one of my things that I'm thinking about training camp, <laughs> but I. I I think that it's interesting the the Chiefs can just throw him into the fire with no ramp up period. Remember, this was something mm-hmm. that in the CBA as COVID was going on, this idea of a ramp up period right. where the guys have to have a certain number of practices before pads come on. As it turns out, there is this grand loophole in the CBA where if you do what Brown did and show up at a later date, there is no ramp up period. And that was actually my question. You go back to from the podium on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. That was my question to Andy Reid. What's this ramp up going to be like? And he's like, you know, we have the right to throw him right back in the mix. So uh, I don't know if we'll see Orlando Brown in pads on Tuesday, but it feels like a possibility and and certainly for Wednesday, John. So I don't know. I think that's another interesting aspect of it and i think the last part is okay orlando brown is going to be at the podium once he does sign the franchise tag i'm assuming we're going to get the the businesses behind us we're looking forward to the Mm -hmm. regular season but even though that is assumed what's coming I, i think it'll be good for fans to hear that and good for him to say it and and this thing to be officially kicked to the 2023 offseason and as we've said even though Brown didn't get the deal he he wanted, sixteen million dollars is is pretty good, especially right. when oh, like yeah. Brown, you know, in, in your years leading up to this, you've made five total, five or six total. You're now going to make sixteen million dollars for the season. You know, it's occurred to me in the last couple of days that we should probably take a lesson from uh, a general who would say that when you're going into battle, it's better to plan based on the enemy's capabilities rather than their intentions, because their intentions can only be divined by your intelligence staff, and they might be right, they might be wrong. And I think that's what's happened here with the Chiefs. They planned based on uh, Orlando Brown's capabilities, which was to sit out training camp and to sit out in the regular season, because they weren't entirely sure what his intentions were. Um, And so what they did was they brought in some guys who could play left tackle, Uh, Then they brought in some more guys that could play tackle and they've been giving these guys looks in training camp. Mm -hmm. So they'd be prepared in case Orlando Brown decided to do this really unusual thing and hold completely out of training camp and miss games in the regular season. I mean, it's not like this has never happened, right? But it's happened so rarely uh, that it's just, it's almost 
you almost have to say it's impossible. So, mm -hmm. but and so the Chiefs probably knew that this was going to happen, but they still had to be prepared for the worst case, and that's what we've seen here. And, and you know, there's some institutional memory going on here too. I didn't realize this; I had completely forgotten about this. Wow. But uh, before Le'Veon Bell held out in 2018 and didn't play on the franchise tag, the last time that had happened was the Kansas City Chiefs player, Dan Williams, in mm -hmm. the 1998 season. So that was 20 years right. between guys who held out of games because they were on the franchise tag and didn't want to play under the tag. So this is why we've been saying all along that the most likely thing to happen would, that Brent would be that Brown would come in and play on the tag sometime before training camp was over. And that's what's happened. But the Chiefs still had to be prepared as if the the worst case could happen. Right. And they had to hold practices. And, right. Right. You know, for what it's worth, Roderick Johnson was in there the entire time. A lot of people thought that might be Jaron Christian. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people were hopeful that Prince Teguanogo would get an opportunity, but he was on the PUP. Same thing with Lucas Niang. So you just didn't see that happening. Mm -hmm. There was one day yeah. where Andrew Wiley was at left tackle when they were just getting the guys left and right experience that has ties to offensive line coach Andy Heck. But I imagine... As soon as Brown is ready, and that sounds like it could be Tuesday. Uh, again, we'll see. And, and we'll see. Yeah. Stay with us at arrowheadpride.com for our observations. Maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Uh, again, it's a we'll see situation. But the way that Andy Reid spoke is they can get him back in the mix as soon as he feels ready. He did say that they would be smart about it. So we'll see right. when he, he gets in the mix. Remember, Brown hasn't practiced all of the offseason. Last time he suited up was the AFC title game uh, in football you know, uh, in a Chiefs uniform and, and football pads and, and whatnot. So we will see when it comes to Orlando Brown. Speaking, you know, of, my read of that situation oh, is that that Andy said that today just to get just to stick his finger in Orlando Brown's eye. You know, I don't like this. I don't like that you didn't show up for the first four days of training camp. But I think what he also said is true. They will be smart about it. They yeah. don't have to ramp him up. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do, because it's not in their best interest to push right. him through too fast and have him get hurt in training camp. That doesn't help anybody, when, especially the Chiefs. When asked uh, what he has missed, Andy Reid said it's a lot of the new stuff, and it's right. because they're changing the offense that is no longer Tyreek Hill-centric. This right. is a different type of, of look, so... He'll have to get caught up in the new stuff. He has been in contact, according to Patrick Mahomes, with Mahomes on some of this mm -hmm. stuff. So we'll see how soon he can get comfortable, get in the mix. Uh, we will have those updates at OurHeadPride.com. Other injury update, Jody Fortson injured his quad in what was Saturday's workout. Mm -hmm. And the update on him is it It sounds like it's minor. Will be a few days. Uh, it, it sounded to me like maybe they're just, just taking, the, taking the, the gas off a little bit. Maybe we see him on Thursday, if not giving him the weekend, and maybe they just, you know, rested and come. There's no reason to push anybody right, uh, at this right. stage. And Fortson has shown enough, in my opinion, where right. he looks like his Achilles. And so this was a quad, not an Achilles. He looks like his Achilles is, is fully healed. He looks back to normal as he did last year when he was starting to break out. So rest him, relax him, and I'm sure he is champing at the bit to get back. I don't think they're going to rush him on this. I don't anticipate him to be at practice on Tuesday or Wednesday. Maybe, right. I'd say maybe Thursday if he's ready. That, that That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, if then. But it, it was encouraging today that they called it a strained calf, or excuse me, a strained quad rather right. than a 
torn muscle or, you know, something like that. So I found that to be a very encouraging characterization that it was just a strained muscle. Too bad it takes two days to find out that information. Right. <laughs> we have to spend that whole time wondering, you know, how because this this is the kind of injury that can take anywhere from a day to a month. Right. To to come back from. So, well, there are some uh, certain injuries that that no. I think you favor over others, like right, like you favor a quad over an Achilles slash. Oh, a sure, hamstring sure. Slash a yeah. high ankle. Like quad to me is I think he'll be all right, you know, and, and mm-hmm. right. You generally see recovery from that. Right, right, right. Uh, but again, I, I think they'll lean on the side of caution than rushing right. forts and back when they don't Agreed. have to. Yeah. Other piece of news before we get to the uh, big 10 things, I think. Uh, that I stole from Peter King from one Peter to another. I stole it. Uh, Dick Vermeil will be inducted into the, the hall of fame. Uh, John, I'll, I'll, I'll let you really, I think, steer this one. Uh, what does this mean? You, you think for, for Kansas Cityans and chiefs fans in particular? Well, I think they'd be a lot happier about it. If Vermeil had been a little more successful when he was coaching the chiefs, right? <laughs> uh, you know, he, he gave us some great moments though, to be sure. Uh, that offense with priest priest Holmes was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent Green for a long time was, you know, one of the best to ever play quarterback in Kansas City. They had a fantastic offensive line in those years. Uh, Tony Tony G showed up during that period uh, and really became a star. So there's a lot to like from Vermeil's time with the Chiefs. It's weird for me mm-hmm. personally because I didn't really want to like Dick Vermeil <laughs> uh, because I had got, actually become pretty close to Gunther Cunningham. Yeah. And uh, before he became the head coach for two seasons. Right. And uh, so I was I was a fan of guns. I was concerned, however, that he was working himself to the ragged edge while he was right. the head coach. You know, we talk about Andy Reid uh, showing up uh, before dawn and, and not leaving until, you know, it's dark outside. Gunther was sleeping on a cot in the office. Mm. Andy at least goes home. Mm. And Gunn was sleeping on a on a cot in the office, and that was just not going to cut it. And so I I I felt like he needed to take a break from it, and I was very unhappy about how it went down. <laughs> that he finds out about it on TV that that right. Dick Vermeil has taken his place. So I wasn't really you know of the mindset to be happy about Dick Vermeil coming in, but I grew to like him a great deal. Uh, he was always yeah. very straightforward. If you encountered him on the elevator or in the hallway and, you know, asked him a question with your microphone down, you know, when he knows you're you're off the record, um, he was very forthcoming and very, uh, very willing to talk to you about what was going on. I'll always remember uh, that last press conference when he, as he often was in in press conferences, tearful, as he said that he was always going to be a chief. And I thought, oh, yeah, sure. That's what all the coaches say. But he was. Yeah. You know, he was he was part of the franchise, still is a part of the franchise. He shows up at the stadium periodically. We see him in pictures talking to Andy Reid. And uh and the and the following season when his successor was announced, when uh, Herm Edwards was announced, I went to the press conference and Dick Vermeil happened to sit in the seat next to me. And that was really cool to sit there and and be sitting next to the former head coach while the new one is talking to the media. So my impressions of Ramil have been very good. They mm-hmm. just didn't, I just didn't really want to like him from the beginning because I'd liked Gunther so much. Well, that's honest, John. And I'm glad that we're always honest here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor show. 
for me in in working at chiefs.com to to start this and you know that was back in 14 i i got to deal with dick for me a lot at these fantasy camps and you're right oh, you know, yeah. when you say he uh, when when you say that he said the idea that he'll always be a chief i i think he's really taken in his post career to the franchise and and still does things like that and and Andy Reid's mm-hmm. not going to Andy Reid has too many things to do to go to Chiefs fantasy camp but for right. for me it's such a treat uh, and I think he he is part of the Chiefs family former Super Bowl champion and I'm sure there'll be a big Chiefs aspect to his speech uh, as he's inducted into the Hall of Fame I know that we posted to the site how we got his Hall of Fame jacket and I know Kansas City quite obviously means a lot to him so congratulations to to Dick and. I'm glad that you finally got on John's good side. I'm still working on it, Dick, <laughs> if you're listening to it. But one of these days, I think that that can happen for me. All right. When we come back, I've been at training camp every day. And so I have 10 things that I think will give you the first five uh, right here. When we come back on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, Steven Serta helping us behind the scenes producing this thing. We've been at training camp now for what has been a week or two, and they finally put the pads on on Monday. And we always talk about this as a a big date of when we could start to get the real football, uh, as it turns out. We spend 10 minutes in the padded practice, and we say to each other, well, when is the first preseason game? Because... Uh, you can only practice against the same jersey for so uh, long before you're ready to see the team take on another team. However, uh, there are, I think, takeaways to be made even as the team reconvened in, in shorts and shells leading up to this day. And I have 10 of them. Five of them are on the offensive side of the football, John. Four of them are on the defensive side of the football. And then I have just one general thought about the team. So let's start with the first five. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll give you the second five, which have more to do with the defense. So starting with number one on offense, I think the Chiefs are keeping two quarterbacks. I know that Shane Bouchelle was someone that was attractive to Arizona, and as they were going through quarterback problems last year, they tried to steal Shane Bouchelle, and the Chiefs had to promote him to the 53-man roster. He hasn't shown me enough where I think the Chiefs are going to have to stash him on the 53 to, to save him as his potential quarterback, backup quarterback of the future. And I just think there are too many skill players and pass catchers on this team where they're not going to have that spot uh, for him. So unless we see something dazzling in the preseason, like he did last year, mm-hmm, where he, he, right. he basically won a game for the Chiefs, unless that were to happen, a, a scenario like that, which would, would be hard for him to do again, just given the fact you know, when you're a backup quarterback, you're out of practice to an extent. You're only getting so many reps of practice. I think I'm I'm pretty sure about the Chiefs just keeping two quarterbacks, which would, of course, be Patrick Mahomes and, and Chad Henney. I think it's hard to argue against that logic, and I completely agree with you that the key factor will be if he shows out in a preseason game uh, because that's the tape that's going to find its way into the hands of other teams most readily. 
I mean, they probably have some clue about what goes on in training camps for other teams. After all, I'm sure they read Arrowhead Pride to find out what's going on at the Chiefs training camp. Yes. But that's not that's not the same Absolutely. as uh, that's not the same as getting video from a game where they can watch uh, Bouchelle playing. And I think that was part of what happened last year. He put down some good tape during the preseason and suddenly yep. he was an attractive target. So if we see that, that could change the way the Chiefs look at it. But right where we sit right now, I think you're making a good a good case. Right. And and when it comes to uh, Dustin Crum, it, it's practice squad or bust. I mean, he sure. Is, yeah, he is very raw. And I've not seen anything that would make me think he's even on the practice squad. I, I, I do end up thinking it's Mahomes and Henny on the main roster and then Bouchelle on what would be the practice squad. So that's the first thing I think I think. Is that right? I don't know if I'm doing this correctly. Anyway, number two, I think Roderick Johnson will make the team and be a better backup. Um than we thought the Chiefs would have at, at left tackle. I think he's really impressed the coaching staff. And it's, it's been impressive just given the fact that he was on a practice squad last year, the Miami Dolphins practice squad. He sort of sat a year out of football. And I think that's why a lot of people were confused that this was going to be the guy if Orlando Brown Jr. did hold out mm-hmm. to replace him. But he, Andy Reid's taking a real likely li- a liking to Roderick. He has said that, uh, again, you can go and, and win with him. And I think in a pinch... Maybe there's a case where the Chiefs would just let Roderick play over having to move Joe Tooney. Like, I don't think the Chiefs really want to move Joe Tooney. I think they like mm-hmm. him at that natural position of left guard. So if you have a guy like this who has really been able to impress you throughout the whole offseason, so we're talking about voluntary workouts, mandatory workouts, now into training camp, uh, and you have that guy on the roster, I think he's certainly going to make the team, and he's, you're going to be better for it. And especially in Kansas City, we know about offensive line depth and how important it is. So I think it's been if you're looking for silver linings, Orlando Brown doing this holdout negotiations, failing, uh, holding out again in training camp. It's that you have been able to prepare and allow this backup to work with what would be your top offensive line. He was able to communicate with Joe Tooney this whole month. So if Orlando were to go down like he did in week 17, I think you have somebody where you can plug and play at least for one game. I I completely agree. I actually had this similar thought today that hopefully this doesn't happen, but there could come a time that we're very glad that Roderick Johnson got this time uh, with the first team during uh, the opening days of training camp. Uh, If Orlando Brown or even, you know, Andrew Wiley gets hurt. Right. um, And they, they have to do something That, that, as you said, offensive line depth is something that we have learned is very important. And uh, I don't know what it is about Roderick Johnson specifically that has impressed the coaching staff, but obviously something got through to them uh, during OTAs and, and classroom activities and so on. And they, they've decided that he's a guy they want to pay close attention to. And who am I to say that they're wrong? I just, you know, I just don't know exactly what it is that's, that's caught their attention, but something certainly has. Now, Jaron Christian has been getting the left tackle snaps with the second team. If you're a Chiefs nerd like us, a Chiefs diehard fan, I am intrigued to see now that Orlando Brown presumably will be with the top team, Roderick Johnson mixes in with the second team. Is it going to be this battle between Jaron Christian and Roderick Johnson? I I think Johnson is safe because if you're playing with the first team while Brown is, is gone, right. uh, mm-hmm. do, they, do they keep Christian 
and Johnson now, because I know you're definitely keeping Kennard as well. So you start playing the numbers game, but we will keep you updated as to how the second team is impacted now that Roderick Johnson needs to, to have a position. And we presume that that'll be second team left tackle. All right. Uh, this is something I, I teased in the opening segment with the Brown news. And I don't want to say that I think this, but I think it. I think Orlando Brown Jr. is going to struggle beginning on Tuesday, uh, but we shouldn't necessarily panic about it. Mm-hmm. Let's say he is thrown into the fire tomorrow. We're recording this at about 530 uh, on Monday. Let's see, say he is thrown into the fire on, on Tuesday with having no offseason and he's in one-on-ones. And don't forget, John, last year he was struggling on one-on-ones to the point right. where he had to mm-hmm. address it at a press conference. Do we mm-hmm. really, really think he's going to look good at practice? And so what I'll tell you is I think he's going to look like trash uh, for this at least <laughs> initial part of camp. Well, please don't mince your words, Pete. I hate it when you do that. Yes, I'm, I'm, you know, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me happy to say that. Now, however, I do think that he'll settle in. I just think the the tapes that you might see the video, the, both illegal and legal that you see come out of training camp will not be kind to Orlando Brown. But then as you get past the first preseason game and, and he does settle in and gets into football shape and gets back in the mix and starts understanding the new parts of the offense, he'll be fine. And this slightly above average left tackle in the NFL that we're used to, I just a little bit worried about these first looks at Orlando Brown having no off season at all. Yeah, that was a big problem last year. Uh, for Orlando Brown, I think it really, um, right from the beginning, colored people's opinions of him, and a lot of them never changed. A lot of people never changed those opinions based on those one-on-one reps from training camp. So I, I kind of feel like uh, this is going. This, this could happen again uh, if he, you know, has those kinds of reps in the one-on-ones uh, immediately upon his return uh, to training camp. So. I'm struggling to find this here because uh, during the the practice today, um, Jeff Schwartz weighed in on this (laughs) just as he did last year, uh, pointing out that uh, you can't really, you can't really tell that much about it. And, um, and I think that we need to, we need to repeat that because, um, you know, drills are not the same as, as playing in a game. And in a particularly in a one on one drill between a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman, the defender is going to have the advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the normally an offensive lineman would get some help from the guy next to him. Right. Um, and I, I, I think there is an aspect yeah. to like the gamer part of, of being in the NFL. Like they're just gamers and like Orlando mm-hmm. Brown quite clearly is more of a gamer than a, than a practice lineman. If, if that exists. Right. I, I think about Randy Moss where, again, completely different positions, but it just reminds me of it where Randy Moss didn't really stretch and he just would show up and then he would make you look ridiculous because he just was was that type of guy. And I'm, I'm not saying that Brown is of the caliber of a Hall of Famer in Randy Moss, but there are just guys that go out and play. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah. You know, and so I caution people because I think there's going to be some video that comes out mm-hmm. that's going to make Orlando Brown look really bad. Yeah. Uh, and I I'm I'm kind of cringing as I say that because I'm I'm like pretty sure about it. So what I would say is uh, don't don't take it to heart. I, I think he'll settle in there and be fine. Just might take a few practices or, or a couple weeks here. All right. Those are, are three things that I think so far. I'm going to continue with two more on the offense. Uh, I, I'm, I hate to say it, but I think I'm down on Josh Gordon, whereas I'm up on Darius Fountain and Justin Watson. 
hmm. uh, and, and maybe even Corey Coleman. The difference here is if Josh Gordon is going to make this team, he has to be showing out on offense. And he has had such a quiet uh, preseason in training camp where you really haven't noticed him at practice. And he needs to be standing out on offense because he doesn't really play special teams. No two guys to do. Right. The Reese Fountain, who the Chiefs took in and played in the playoffs over Gordon. They, they called him up instead. And then Justin Watson, who got that pre-camp Schrager type of buzz. I've put Corey Coleman in the mix because Coleman has been mixing in with the first team a lot more than I thought he would. And he's a returner candidate, by the way, on from the podium. We will get uh, special teams coordinator Dave Coteau tomorrow. And he's usually pretty forthcoming about how much he likes right. certain guys on special teams. So I think we'll get right. more on that tomorrow. But I put on my first iteration of the 53 man roster that I thought Josh Gordon was making this team. And I don't really feel as good about it. Uh, anymore uh, just because he's he's been so quiet that could change uh, I could be back on the the Gordon bandwagon but so far it, it looks like okay I think you take the special teams upside just considering you're going to have these great pass catchers which are with the first four wide receivers in the room along with that tight end room so lean into maybe the special teams aspect we know they like Fountain we know they like Watson via Schrager probably according to to Brett Beach and so I'm leaning maybe Fountain Watson over over Gordon. All right, I I I see your logic there. I'm still I'm just still trying to put together why Eric Brianemi would be so high on Gordon. Yeah, you know, in in his presser yesterday, and you know, um, and maybe that's because you have to be if you're a coach that you've got to go out there and praise them to the to the roof uh, when somebody asks you a question about him, but. Man, he was he was over the top about how much he likes Gordon and and how much fun it's been to yeah. uh, to coach him and uh, and all that kind of thing. It was kind of surprising, honestly, uh, how much he 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 raved about Gordon. So so there's that part of the equation as well. Now here's one other piece of that equation. I, I've seen a lot of people say this: What if the Chiefs decide to trade McCall Hardman? How does that change things? Right? Does Gordon become the fourth receiver, and then you get uh, you know, Fountain and, you know, one of these other guys that can do special teams in the five and six slots. I think that's a real possibility. You know what? It was a good counterpoint by you to mention the enemy, a counterpoint to your counterpoint last year. The enemy said that Cornell Powell had a beautiful soul. And, uh, <laughs> well, we, there you go. <laughs> then we never saw him again. So there you it. go. No, but we'll, we'll see. And this is what training camp is for. It's to evaluate sure. players. Yeah. I, I need to see more from Gordon on offense. Yeah. He's been a little bit too invisible for me to feel good about putting him on what'll be my next mm -hmm. iteration of the 53 man roster. Sure. Probably coming out soon. I don't know. I don't know exactly when I'm going to do it, but probably soon uh, on arrowheadpride.com. All right. Last offensive point, and then we'll take a quick break before I get to my other points. Uh, I think I'm also down on Rojo, Ronald Jones. Mm. Only really been working with the second team. And I think he makes sense for Carlos Hyde type of trade. As you keep Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. And then if you keep another running back, maybe you go with Derek Gore, who you already like over somebody like mm -hmm. a Ronald Jones. And I, I think it's a Ronald Jones or McKinnon situation. And McKinnon has been getting predominantly the second look at running back after Clyde during the first team. And Isaiah Pacheco has started now to mix in with the ones and where Ronald Jones is taking more of his reps with the second team. So that usually tells you, OK, they have a pecking order here. I think it'll also come down to the preseason. If you're going to trade somebody, Ronald Jones will have to put some of that good film, uh, you know, out there where 
there's a team that maybe gets running back needed. Maybe there's an injury where you can flip a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder for Jones. But I, I'm less high on Jones, not really because I, I don't believe in him, because I don't right. know if the team does by, right. by putting mm-hmm. him with the second team as much as they are so far. Yeah, you, you have to to really know where they're at with Jones. You have to know what they were thinking when they brought him in. Were they thinking, we need to have a guy to back up Edwards Alaire, or do we need a guy to take over Daryl Williams' spot? And we don't know the answer to that question. If they were looking for somebody to be a backup to Edwards Alaire, then maybe Pacheco takes his place. Right. If they were right. uh, looking for someone to take Daryl Williams' spot, we'd probably be seeing him more um, in the the first team reps. So I, but I don't yeah. know that that proves and definitively that's what they think, but that's when, the way I'm figuring it out. Well, when they signed Jones as well, McKinnon was, we found out this week, recovering from core muscle surgery, and he had three mm. or four teams interested. So mm-hmm. even though he said, I'm always picking the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs just can't go on his word and be like, well, you're talking to three teams. You're going to pick us, right? Like, no, they have to make these, I, I think, plan B signings. Sure. Yeah. We want mm-hmm. McKinnon back. But if, if we don't, we'll, we'll have Rojo in the building. And then they are able to get McKinnon back after he was able to pass a physical after this core muscle surgery. So I just think it's it's a room that has almost like a bubbling over happen happening. And mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. Jones might be the one who you know bubbles over. I also think that Pacheco is is really interesting i i mm-hmm. he reminds me and i watched this player he reminds me of kareem hunt and he's a little faster than kareem hunt and i just wonder oh, if, and i'm not saying to start week one but i just wonder if by the end of the season pacheco is just is is having so many good rush reps where he's impossible to ignore and he he ends up taking over the position and you know, I've said it a number of times in this podcast network, if you're a diehard Chiefs fan, you know about general manager Brett Veach and what he said. I mean, he said ahead of the draft, there's a thousand yard rusher on day three uh, this year. And More then than took, one, actually. Then he, yeah. Right. And and then he probably took his favorite one that right. he thought would mm-hmm. be available in Isaiah Pacheco. And uh, then we saw him getting first team reps on on Saturday and mixing in a little bit. I I'm I think this will be a committee. I think Clyde will get the first crack at this thing. You know, if you're talking about well, who's going to get the first running back rep on Sunday against right. the Cardinals, mm-hmm. it'll be Clyde. Right. Uh, as we've seen throughout the years, be it injury or just people outplaying other other players, um, you know, maybe like we saw with Kareem, that could change by by sure. the end of the season. So I, check out someone to watch. Really interesting player, uh, and and he's fun. And he's a well, fun you, guy. You make a good point about McKinnon's availability during the time that they signed. Right. Rojo. And I hadn't even thought about that. So I, I salute you for bringing that up. I hadn't occurred to me, but I think that's a really good point because uh, there was no reason for them not to bring uh, Jarek back. Right. Mm-hmm. McKinnon was looked really good towards the end of the season last year. Right. I, I don't think he I think that how good he was has been overstated a little bit by people who aren't crazy about Edwards Alaire. I'll just say that. But it's not like he looked bad. He looked good when he was on the field. I agree with that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs wanted him, but they yeah. were concerned what happens if we can't get him and, and brought Rojo in. And that might explain everything that we're seeing. Right I, I I just went on a tangent, too, about, about Pacheco and how I think there's a lot of upside there. I also like this new version of Clyde that's like a little sassy and mm-hmm. it really yeah. seems ticked off. 
And I always like getting behind <laughs> players like that, right? I yeah. Mean, you know, it 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 is someone that it very clearly has heard the noise. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, whether he deserves it or not, he's heard it. So right. what is he going to do about it? And I, I think there is a little bit of a chip on his shoulder naturally uh, as we go into the 2022 NFL season. All right. Those are five offensive things, I think, from training camp so far. When we come back, I'm going to turn the page, give you four defense, and then one generally about the rest of the team. Stay with us. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we're continuing with the 10 things I think about training camp. I've been up there each and every day. We've learned a lot so far. There's more to learn as we go. I'm now going to turn the page from offense to defense and give you the first defensive thing i think and if you've been listening to our training camp reports which steven serta and i do every day i've already alluded to this and steve made fun of me for it the other day that i had to be (laughs) negative but i think it's been a good thing that cornerback joshua williams has looked the part i think it's been not so good that you've been hearing less about trent mcduffie who the chiefs Mm -hmm. traded up in the first round for and I watched today in pads as marquez valdez scantling who is a much taller receiver really picked on trent mcduffie and I'm not, I'm not like if you if you talk about the the worry scale one to ten, I mean I'm not at a seven. Am I in the three or four-ish right now? I'm starting to get up there. And and Williams is a good player, and he looks like he's going to be a contributor for this team. But I I do have my worry about McDuffie, and especially just in in the fact that I've written about this on ArrowheadPride.com that the Chiefs took McDuffie and then, you know, pick or two later, whatever it was, the Bills go and take Elam. And I just think these guys are going to be compared. And if McDuffie seems to be a bust, I think there's going to be a little bit of regret there. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had mentioned going into training camp that I thought McDuffie might struggle a little bit early on. Right. I, I think we're seeing that a little bit. Uh, how is he going to respond? The Chiefs picked him at that position for a reason. Great about Williams, eh, about McDuffie. You know, I think it's really hard to be a cornerback in the NFL. I've said this before. Yeah. You know, every play, uh, the offensive player has the advantage over the defensive player. Yeah. And everybody expects a cornerback, every cornerback to be a shutdown corner. And if you give up one pass for a touchdown in a game, everybody thinks you're a bum. So I wouldn't want to be a cornerback in the NFL, and I especially wouldn't want to be a first-round cornerback in the NFL. That's right, because the expectations are so high. Um, I I think I think the worry scale that you're mentioning is about right. A little bit of worry, not a lot yet, not even up to average. But I also think that um, we knew right off the bat that McDuffie wasn't going to look really good until the pads came on. Yeah. And we're at day one of pads, you yeah, know, and, let's, and, let's see what he does in a week from now and see if that changes the worry scale. And sort of the point you were making about offensive linemen, right? Like when you're in right. a game mm-hmm. setting, there's safety help and you're game planning against those opposing receivers. The Chiefs are going to play the Chicago bears 
in their first preseason game. Like, let's see how he does against receiver in another jersey. But I think the thing that I noticed is if he is going to start on day one, which is what a first round cornerback should do, right? You're going to have these veteran quarterbacks that are looking for him, and he's right. going to be tested, and it's going to be early and often. And so uh, that leads me to the second thing. I think. I think the sooner Rashad Fenton takes the field, the better I'll feel because they are missing him right now. I think having a, a cornerback with experience that really, I mm-hmm. think, had a nice breakout season last year. Yes, he did. Gaining confidence will be key to have if McDuffie does struggle early on. McDuffie could have early struggles, be replaced in a lineup at a starting position, and then turn out to still be a pretty good corner down the line, right? Like that, right. Could, that could. could be a scenario yeah. that happens. If that's a scenario that's going to happen, you have to have a healthy cornerback. And we really haven't had heard a lot about Rashad Fenton. The only thing that we've heard, the last thing we heard, is he was going to be ready for the start of training camp, which was not the case. Right. He's been on the mm-hmm. PUP, and he looks fine. I, I've seen him on campus. I've seen him walking around. We see him working out off to the side with the training staff as these practices are ongoing. But, man, I, I really think this is a player that the Chiefs need back soon. And mm-hmm. I hope he comes off the PUP sometime soon so we can be ready for the start of the regular season. And the longer this thing goes, you start to have questions about week one. Well, I, I think that's exactly right. I'm I'm a Fenton fan, so I'm I'm all for him coming back. You you know, it's like running backs. You can't have enough good cornerbacks. You know, if you have uh three good ones and one of them gets hurt, you know, you can get exposed really easily and really quickly in an NFL game against a good corner a good quarterback. So I'm all for Fenton being back because I think it'll help us on a lot of different levels, including giving McDuffie uh, the space to mess up. Right. You know, if we get to the regular season and he gets picked on too much, they can pull him back, put Fenton out there, and let him season a little bit more. If Spags can play, first round player is going yeah. to eventually figure it out. If Spags can play Daniel Sorensen over Juan Thornhill for seven weeks, then he could play Rashad yeah. Fenton over Trent McDuffie. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. We've gotten through seven. I have three more, two more on defense, one more general about the team. Things I think as I've been watching training camp, I'm going to get some eye rolls here. You think I care? I don't care. You've made it to 40 <laughs> minute 47 on the podcast. I think defensive end Frank Clark has put himself in the best possible position for this grand comeback story. Uh, he's now corrected his stomach issues by not drinking alcohol, uh, which is amazing because he always seemingly deals with them in the worst possible parts of seasons and misses a handful of games here and there. So the stomach problems are gone. I know that everyone makes fun of skinny Frank. He looks about 250 from 262 last year, but he's moving well. And I think the thing that stuck out to me today is Andy Reid talked. This is endurance is there. There were times last year. I mean, if you really watch the third and fourth quarter of games and Frank Clark said, pull up the film from last year, he was winded and tired and Mm -hmm. just not capable of being a factor late in games. And that was something where I I think he really shined in 19, where he was that closer. And I think he noticed that. And it also seems, and and I'm, he didn't really allude to this, but I also think uh, there were some off the field things where I think he wanted to be a better person also by cutting out alcohol. And he looks great. Uh, I mean, really great. I don't know if he looks great as like this big, bulky football player that you're, you're supposed to be but he looks great for like a friend that was maybe overweight and lost a lot of weight and you're like <laughs> right, my right. god you look tremendous like that it's that type of description i don't know if that will necessarily translate to being a top defensive end in the mm-hmm. nfl but i i think he's put himself in a position to have this comeback season now what does a comeback season look like he says he wants 10 or more sacks which i appreciate him for I don't know if that's in the cards, but uh, I'll tell you what, 
I believe in him more now than I have maybe since that Derrick Henry game in the Super Bowl, uh, which has been a long time. Uh, you know, that what is that? You know, you're talking about 2020. It's now 2022 in August. Um, so like since the pandemic started, I, I think Frank Clark has, has looked the best he's looked. And there's added motivation, like bettering your life for your family, losing mm-hmm. weight, feeling better is one thing. We just saw defensive ends, even in their older ages, paid this past offseason. So there is a I know he's signed for two more years, I believe, in Kansas City with the restructured deal. But there's still added motivation that maybe he's in for another payday uh, a little bit later into his career. So I like what's happening with Frank Clark. Call me crazy. Roll your eyes. I, I'm, I've fallen for it. I, I mean, I have. I, I'll, I'll admit it. And uh, I, I am rooting for him. Uh, after that press conference the other day, he was really candid with us, which is not something that right. you can always oh, yeah. say at these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so I'm I'm loving up on some Frank Clark right now. I'm I'm sorry to say it. I, I am. I, I I can't help it. Well, there will be a lot of fans that, that will think you're crazy. I mean, I, I don't think I'm telling you something you don't know. Right. Uh, a lot of people have given up on him already, gave up on him a long time ago, and will never change their minds about him. Okay, I get it. But I think you're making a good point, Pete, that, that you know, even if he makes just a, a somewhat of a climb out of the cellar, that's a victory for him at mm-hmm. this point in his career. You know, I don't think there's a lot of chance that the Chiefs are going to keep him on for another year. He would have to be have a spectacular season for the Chiefs to want to pay him what they would have to pay him next year right. on the contract he now has. I think they're going to be a lot more inclined to let him go at the age he'll be and the, with the baggage that he carries with him, et cetera. So really this is a contract year for him. Right. If he get if he comes out and plays pretty well, he'd have a chance to grab a, you know, I don't know, five million, ten million dollar contract with another team for another year or two. Right. And that'd be a win for him. And I agree that um where he's at right now physically and, and the way he's talking it's a really nice setup for somewhat of an improvement in 2021. And honestly, if we get somewhat of an improvement out of Frank Clark and get some production from Carlos Dunlap and get a little production from George Karlaftis, the defensive line will be in pretty good shape, if you ask yeah. me. So, Carlos, Carlos Dunlap, by the way, supposed to come to Kansas City on Wednesday. I think they yeah. care of some personal matters, so... We are, are looking forward to his debut at practice, which is just another guy that can help fill in the defensive end room. And I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel better about this room than, than I had been. Carlos Dunlap was a big help in that. I think they definitely yeah. needed another veteran at that position who you really feel good about. But even these younger guys, I, you know, I, I see a Mike Dana and, you know, he's talking about a career year and wanting that five or six sacks. You get the opportunity in Steve Spagnuolo's room because everybody plays. And right. so I just like the vibe of this room right now. It's another thing I think bonus bonus thing, I think. Okay. You know, I think you can make an argument that for quite a while now, Carlos Dunlap was the right guy to get. Yeah. You know, even maybe going back to the time that all those expensive free agents were available. Yeah. You could make the argument that he was the guy the Chiefs should have been targeted because he had a lot of production, but not very much cost, which right. was going to be an issue for the Chiefs almost no matter what happened and especially the way things fell out. So this is a, a theme of good vibes in Kansas City too. Think Terrell yeah. Suggs and MV Pinnell, Mike Pinnell coming up. You need one of those guys that is just a little bit of that seasoning, right? You know, mm-hmm. what you know, maybe what is it? Uh cumin? Sometimes you just need a little bit of that. You stir it up. 
And that's what that's the secret More sauce. about cumin on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's mm-hmm. Show. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe a little basil. All right. On the show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, point nine. I think Willie Gay Jr., if you saw this video the other day that Aaron Ladd put out, who does great work for us in 41, KSHB 41, where Willie Gay picks it off in seven on seven and it runs all the way back and starts mm-hmm. pumping up the crowd. I think he's comfortable. I think he's find, found some comfort. You know, talk about off-the-field things. I think he's mentally in a better place. I think he's playing loose. And I think he's going to have quite a few uh, interceptions this year because he he seems to be not thinking as much, which we saw maybe at the beginning of his career. And I just think he's become one with the, the defense, one with his will position. I think he's going to be really good in coverage. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of quarterbacks by picking the ball off and if Willie Gay is picking the ball off, then you know you have Patrick Mahomes in this good offense starting at, at better positions on the field, and that can only sure. lead to more points. So I'm high on Willie Gay. I think I'm high on Willie Gay Jr. right now. Well, and also more interceptions means more of an opportunity for uh, Tommy Townsend to uh, have the lowest number of punts in the league, which I know a lot of people are, are hoping for. So right. every interception reduces uh, the potential punts by one. So that's a good thing. And I think a lot of yeah, and uh, the Chiefs have been going for it a lot more on 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 fourth down uh, than they have. I think ever it's got to be ever in Andy Reid's history, just because of the potent offense. So, all right. So I gave you five offense. I gave you four defense, and then here's my just general thing that I'm thinking as I've been around the team every day, day in and day out. I think generally speaking, with Brown Jr. now in the mix. Some of that weird B enemy stuff behind us from the offseason. Nagy has found, I think, a nice rapport with Pat again, and you're starting to feel good about the coaching staff. And Tyree Kill, who apparently was disgruntled and not a great locker room guy, he's now gone from the team and in Miami. So, again, Brown in the mix, B enemy stuff behind you, Tyreek gone. I think the locker room is in a place where it hasn't really had this feel good feel in a long time. And I, I think it's ripe for. Once Brown gets settled in, I think you're going to really get some good vibes around this team, and especially if you start winning games early with how you know difficult mm-hmm. we have said that first part of the schedule is. I think you're going to be in a situation where we have seen, and I'll admit it, and I, I never thought I'd be admitting this, but we've seen a lot of national disrespect for, about the Chiefs, but I think it's just ripe for this team to surprise a lot of people go on a tear early and you're going to see a flip of the switch where people start to say like sometimes what they say about the Yankees, you know, when they start to get good, oh, the Yankees are back. I think they might say that about the Kansas city chiefs and say, Oh, we should not have been sleeping and disrespecting this team. This team looks really, really good. And I think a lot of that comes from just the locker room and the feel around this team. Now that a few of those things have have taken place. Well, now that we have some of that out of the way, uh, maybe all that's needed uh, to get them over the top is some Randy Reed. You know, That's get right. the coach's brother on the field and and get some of that comedy going and and uh, you know the the good feelings go on. I was really kind of I don't know that I would say surprised um, by the remarks themselves, but I was surprised how vehemently Travis Kelsey spoke of Orlando Brown as a team leader. Today. You have, you've seen that though, and and they're doing it for you know, the teammate, but you've heard that a little bit from Pat and Creed and Trey Smith did that a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. I was surprised to hear that too, but I I do think it it comes down to, and this is smart about players. Players don't get involved in other players, money things. So they're right. right. 
so in their mind, that stuff doesn't exist. So they're just thinking back to last year. And perhaps Brown was this guy that they really did look to as a locker room juice guy and a leader. Room, I, yeah. yeah. Who who are we to say? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not in the locker room. So I, I didn't expect that either. But it really does seem like the team is getting some juice from Brown finally being back in the building. And we will see if he's on the practice field starting on, on Tuesday, John. I'm curious. I'm curious about this now that all this COVID stuff is behind us, and we presume the locker rooms will be open after the games. And yes, that's the presumption right now. Yes, go back in there. Do you think we'll get a better read on this kind of stuff going forward than we have the last couple of years? Because it's just been a complete mystery up to this point. I know from my years in the locker room post game, uh, you could kind of get a read on. Yeah locker room was going just from what happened after the games and um do you think we'll get a better better idea about those things going forward we'll definitely have a much better idea about the happenings of this team and i'll give you an example of something that happened during covid remember like ricky seals jones was on this team and ricky seals jones has gone on to be a pretty good role player elsewhere Mm -hmm. he just didn't make it in kansas city and we didn't really have any idea what was going on with him where I think if locker rooms had been open at that point, someone could go up to Ricky and be like, Ricky, what's the deal here? Right. right. You, you just haven't gotten those opportunities. So I think we'll, we'll know a lot more when it comes to those aspects of the team. And when you put all those aspects together, you start to get a feel for the locker room. So I think a roundabout way of saying, yes, I, I agree with you. And for what it's worth, and, and this is just a note for you, we're, we're told, we've been told that it it is back to the pre COVID energy of, being able to be in the locker room after right. games and during the week even as well. So we'll see how that changes what you know we find out about this team, how, how much we know about this team. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think I think the 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 NFL is a lot more fun when you are able to get those details and really understand the fabric of a team. And I think through COVID, for obvious reasons and safety reasons we weren't able to do that and and so now the nfl believes it's in a place where they can safely do it and uh again we'll we'll keep you updated throughout the year another another great way to plug thank you john uh, well you know i was thinking what i was saying uh, about dick Vermeil earlier is that he was always very open if you caught him in an unpublic place about what was going on and you know a lot of times we get information from these from these players and these coaches that we don't make public, you know, because it came to us in an unguarded motive. I can think of a couple of times I was on the elevator with Vermeil and had conversations with him and he would tell me something and that informed my reporting, not in a way that I could say went mm-hmm. back to that conversation, but right. it helped me understand what was going on and then describe it accurately to people on the outside. And, and I'm sure that's been something that's been missing. Uh, the last couple of years when every utterance we get from anybody on the team is in a public setting through a zoom conference call. Right. And, right, right. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about uh, maybe learning more about what's going on with the team uh, during this coming season. John's excited. I'm excited. It's August one. So just think about how excited we're going to be when that <laughs> first game is happening the second week of September. If you like Arrowhead Pride, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network and the Arrowhead Pride editor show, I would ask that you please go to Apple iTunes and leave a rating and a review, especially if you leave five stars. We will read it right here on this show. Steve, there's a question for the Brits. Make sure they get it and they answer that question because I didn't read it. Uh, He had some pretty good questions and that was the Fanstradamus that almost 
uh, would have given us uh, a lot of money uh, with the lottery. Well, we we did a good show. We got the news down. We were able to put out the 10 things that I'm thinking as we go along with training camp. Keep it locked in. We'll have updates and reports every day right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com. For Steve Serta and for John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.